Chapter Twenty Three of Timothy Crump's Ward by Horatio Alger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three: The Law Steps In. When Peg left Mister John Somerville's apartment, it was with a high degree of satisfaction at the result of her interview. She looked upon the thousand dollars as sure to be hers the considerations which she had urged would she was sure induce him to make every effort to secure her silence with a thousand dollars what might not be done she would withdraw from the coining business for one thing it was too hazardous why might not dick and she retire to the country lease a country inn and live an honest life hereafter there were times when she grew tired of the life she lived at present it would be pleasant to go to some place where she was not known and enroll herself among the respectable members of the community she was growing old she wanted rest and a quiet home her early years had been passed in the country she remembered still the green fields in which she played as a child and to this woman old and sin-stained there came a yearning to have that life return it occurred to her to look in upon jack whom she had left in captivity four days before she had a curiosity to see how he bore his confinement she knocked at the door and was admitted by the old man who kept the house mr foley was looking older and more wrinkled than ever he had been disturbed of his rest the night previous he said well said peg and how is our prisoner bless my soul said mr foley i haven't been to give him his breakfast this morning he must be hungry but my head is in such a state however i think i've secured him what do you mean i have asked him to become one of us he's a bold lad and he has promised to think of it he is not to be trusted said peg hastily you think not i know it well said the old man i suppose you know him better than i do but he's a bold lad i should like to go up and see him said peg wait a minute and i will carry up his breakfast the old man soon reappeared from the basement with some cold meat and bread and butter you may go up first he said you are younger than i am they reached the landing what's all this demanded peg her quick eyes detecting the aperture in the door what's what asked foley is this the care you take of your prisoners demanded peg sharply it looks as if he had escaped escaped impossible i hope so open the door quick the door was opened and the two hastily entered the bird is flown said peg i-i don't understand it said the old man turning pale i do he has cut a hole in the door slipped back the bolt and escaped when could this have happened i don't know yes i do remember now being disturbed last night by a noise in the entry i got out of bed and looked out but could see no one did you come upstairs part way when was this past midnight no doubt that was the time he escaped that accounts for the door being locked said the old man thoughtfully what door the outer door when i got up this morning i found the key had disappeared and the door was locked luckily we had an extra key and so opened it 
Probably he carried off the other in his pocket. Ah, he is a bold lad, a bold lad, said Foley. You may find that out to your cost. He'll be likely to bring the police about your ears. Do you think so? said the old man in alarm. I think it more than probable. But he don't know the house, said Foley in a tone of reassurance. It was dark when he left here, and he will not be apt to find it again. Perhaps not. But he will be likely to know you when he sees you again. I advise you to keep pretty close. I certainly shall, said the old man, evidently alarmed by this suggestion. What a pity that such a bold lad shouldn't be in our business. Perhaps you'll wish yourself out of it before long, muttered Peg, as if in corroboration of her words there was a sharp ring at the doorbell. The old man, who was constitutionally timid, turned pale and looked helplessly at his companion. What is it? he said apprehensively. Go and see. I don't dare to. You're a coward, said Peg contemptuously. Then I'll go. She went downstairs, followed by the old man. She threw open the street door, but even her courage was somewhat daunted by the sight of two police officers accompanied by Jack. That's the man, said Jack, pointing out Foley, who tried to conceal himself behind Mrs. Hardwick's more ample proportions. I have a warrant for your arrest, said one of the officers, advancing to Foley. Gentlemen, spare me, he said, clasping his hands. What have I done? You are charged with uttering counterfeit coin. I am innocent. If you are, that will come out in your trial. Shall I have to be tried? he asked piteously. Of course. If you are innocent, no harm will come to you. Peg had been standing still, irresolute what to do. Determined upon a bold step, she made a movement to pass the officers. Stop, said Jack. I call upon you to arrest that woman. She is the Mrs. Hardwick against whom you have a warrant. What is all this for? demanded Peg naughtily. What right have you got to interfere with me? That will be made known to you in due time. You are suspected of being implicated with this man. I suppose I must yield, said Peg sulkily. But perhaps you, young sir, turning to Jack, may not be the gainer by it. "'Where is Ida?' asked Jack anxiously. "'She is safe,' said Peg sententiously. "'You won't tell me where she is?' "'No, why should I? I am indebted to you, I suppose, for this arrest. "'She shall be kept out of your way as long as it is in my power to do so.' Jack's countenance fell. "'At least you will tell me whether she is well.' "'I shall answer no questions whatever,' said Mrs. Hardwick. Then I will find her, he said, gaining courage. She is somewhere in the city, and sooner or later I shall find her. Peg was not one to betray her feelings, but this arrest was a great disappointment to her. Apart from the consequences which might result from it, it would prevent her meeting with John Somerville, and obtaining from him the thousand dollars of which she had regarded herself certain. Yet even from her prison cell she might hold over him, in terror, the threat of making known to Ida's mother the secret of her child's existence. All was not lost. She walked quietly to the carriage in waiting, while her companions, in an ecstasy of terror, seemed to have lost the power of locomotion. 
and had to be supported on either side. End of chapter 23